Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizard here, fear of flying coach for over 25 years. And today I am talking to myself. So the idea being today, I thought I would reflect on 25 plus years of running courses to help nervous flyers and also with the terrific and humbling news of this week that the contract with Virgin has been restored so that Love Fly will now be working in partnership with Virgin Atlantic. Now I'm not quite sure what that's going to mean for now but it's just a fantastic humbling thing and there's so many people to be thankful for many of whom I can't I can't name. And yeah, it's been an interesting 25 years. So I just thought I would kind of reflect. So if you can cope with the ramblings of a fear of flying coach, that's what this podcast episode is about. And I thought maybe I'll start with thinking about the beginning of the journey, how it all started, and maybe some lessons learned from that. And then just some sort of patterns I guess that I've noticed that people have fallen into over the years and what seems to help people and that's about as much of a structure as I've put in place. So I guess the journey started in 1996. I was working as a cabin crew trainer and I'd always had an interest in psychology. My mum was a hypnotherapist and I you know I was interested i have been trained as a hypnotherapist myself by then. Not that I was particularly practicing the stuff. And having had this interest, I was also was having therapy myself and I was seeing this guy called David Lando. I've been to see a different therapist after I'd left the military. I had a few things I wanted to get sorted out. And David Lando was somebody that I'd met on one of these courses and he was a, a hypnotherapist and he'd said, I can cure anyone of anything. <laughs> Give me a hundred pounds, which at the time was a lot. And one session, I will cure whatever you've got you're suffering from I thought well that's a pretty good deal even though it was 100 quid it was a lot of money at the time and I just thought I'd go and see so we had a session another one as well and I just thought to myself this is really good I mean I'm very I find it very easy to relax so as soon as someone starts talking to you in a certain tone of voice or they play that you know that very gentle clinky clinky music that's it I'm away with the fairies you know I'm out of it and I just thought to myself this is amazing stuff, this, when it's done well. But we were talking as I was leaving the hallway, and he said, you know, with your links into Virgin and my relaxation skills, we should do something for Virgin. And I was like, yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. And he said, we should do a relaxation channel on board. And I think that's a great idea. And I said, yeah, I will go and, you know, I felt like I was kind of like a messenger, so I took his message, and I went back, and I wrote to... Uh, and Richard Branson always used to say, you know, because he was around a lot of the time and the Virgin was quite small and very intimate and used to see him every week because I was training courses for customer service. And he'd always come to the final presentation when people would receive their wings, as it was called, you know, when the cabin crew had finished their training. And so I used to see him all the time. And he always used to say, if you've got any ideas, just sort of like tap on the shoulder or ring me up or whatever. And it was and it was very relaxed like that. 
And so I used to do that quite frequently, like these madcap ideas. And so I guess he was used to it by then. So I wrote to him and said, you know, dear Richard, you've got this, you know, got this friend that I know, and we'd like to do something to help nervous flyers. And we're thinking about a relaxation channel on board. And as a literally, as a footnote, I put, and we could offer courses. And I saw that British Airways were running courses. Then they'd been doing them about 10 years when I was thinking about this. And so uh, uh, he literally wrote back within a day and just said, I love the idea, let's do the courses, but you'll need to speak to the CEO first and blah, blah, blah. And off we went, you know, put together a business case. Now, I didn't do any of that stuff. I kind of learned quite soon that you've got to do what you're good at. And I think at the time, my thing that I was good at was getting excited about things which I didn't have a clue about how I was going to actually do it. And the CEO uh, said to me, well, I'll assign you uh, an accountant to help with the business case side of it, this woman called Jane Lawrence. And she was brilliant. She just sat down and said, what are you trying to do? We mapped it all out. She did all the figure work. And I said, I just think this will work. You know, let's give it a try. And so special assistants at the time, an amazing lady called Karen Grantham, uh, whom I contacted and said, look, we're looking for uh, some people who, do you get people phoning up about being scared of flying? She said, all the time. And there was somebody that she worked with called Atherley, who also helped. I can't believe all these names are coming back to me now. And said, look, let's let's see if we get people come through and say, I'm scared of flying, can you do anything? Because at the moment, we just sort of talk to them. But perhaps we could give them your number. I said, yeah, yeah, well, what would be great was if you could just take their details down. And when I've got enough, say about eight or ten, we'll run a little sort of program and see if it helps them, And which is exactly what we did. So around, I don't know, I suppose it would have been about the end of, end of 96, beginning of 97, we ran a, a couple of sort of like a pilot programs, if you want. And... People said they found it really, really helpful to hear what a pilot had to say and to listen to the cabin crew and understand a little bit about the psychological stuff and the relaxation skills. And we're just thinking, there may be something in this. And so we just went back, got the business case through. Virgin was very relaxed about that sort of stuff. And I just said, well, we'll go for it. You know, we'll support you. And at the time, they said, do you want an aircraft? And I was like, no, I was thinking of eight people on the 747. You know, I think, why would we even find them, you know? So I said, no, 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 because first the aircraft was so massive at the time. Just thinking it would be ridiculous. Uh, didn't really know quite the scale of the fear. And, and also I was thinking, why on earth am I doing this? You know, because, you know, for the big part of it, for the first, well, quite a few years, I felt like, what's my role here? You know, but I was a trainer. But also had a military background and I'd been cabin crew. So I was able to kind of bring the people together. And when David Lando worked with us, I said, look, I don't want to do any of the hypnosis stuff. Not that I don't think it's brilliant, because it is. But if you say we do hypnosis, then we'll get people who want that and we'll turn away more people than we get because they'll be like, I don't want any of that stuff. And so whereas if you can use the same skills to relax people and then to give them some things to help them when they get aboard the aircraft, then that would be really, really useful. So we we did it like that. And I felt like I was more like sort of the conduit, the sort of the link person. I suppose you might call that early days being a you know a compare type stuff where you just kind of link people together and top and tail it and stuff. And it just felt like I, I could see like a shape. Like so if I saw a day 
and just to get a, an instinct of what we should be doing. And I wanted it to be a great experience. So being a trainer, I wanted people to have a good event. I didn't want it to feel like they'd just been talked to or I didn't want it to be just like a lecture. And so the pilot we had was a guy called Norman Lees, and he was fantastic. He told stories and he was funny. He had loads of energy and, you know, he flew uh, stunt piloting on his time off and he, and he flew the Spitfire and, you know, oh, he was just an amazing guy. And he used to tell all these stories and I used to just sit there realising how little I actually knew, even though I was trained cabin crew at the time, how little I knew about all the safety. And I thought, God, if people knew this stuff, they would never be scared of fire. They knew about all the backups and the training, everything that pilots go through. And there's no single point of failure. And it just got me really sort of, I had a massive new respect for the pilots because I hadn't realised how hard it was to be. So when you see a pilot on any commercial flight, how much effort and time and money it's taken to get to that place, you know, and it really was very humbling. And these people, they don't go on about it. I thought to myself, this is somebody that gets tested on their job every six months, pass or fail. And if they don't pass it, they're in danger of losing their license, which is their livelihood. So it's it's so it just really got me thinking about, you know, I jump in my car, you know, I did my test when I was 18 and and I'll probably drive till I'm 70 until someone says, oh, by the way, you need to let us know if you're still fit to, to drive the car. But no one's ever going to test me. And I've got this one or two ton killing machine that I'm in charge of with just me as the sole driver, no backup systems. It's just it just really got me thinking about the, the way that people approach commercial aviation and how it's got so safe. And and every time, every lecture I used to listen to, not lecture, but every session I used to listen to, I used to learn something new. And over time, I found myself absorbing this fantastic information just seen the transformation in people that they you know, come on the course looking really scared some people really tearful not even wanting to come through the doors and then by the end of it they're laughing walking out trying to hug you and things like that just phenomenal all in a day transformation in a day so it really was used to open my eyes to think how is this even possible you know and, and i concluded that you know, one of the things that I've learned is that the day itself is just a catalyst. So our job when we run those courses is to make sure that you have a great day and that you hear stuff which confirms what you need to hear. So it's not about just schmoozing you or telling you anything or any old nonsense. It's about telling you the facts and then you can decide. Once you know the facts, then you're able to make a rational decision about it. Because for the most part, when we're fearful, we're in that kind of very sort of older parts of our brain where we're imagining stuff which isn't happening and thinking that things could happen or we've heard something, we've latched onto it. And so having the facts gives you then choices to, to decide what do I want to do. And for some people, that's enough. Some take a few goes at it. But it made me realise that some people are armed with the information they can make different choices. I think one of the things that really helped was that Norman, Captain Norman, was had such a lovely, charismatic way, but it, he just seemed to have empathy, you know. So even though he wasn't worried about flying and when he did his aerobatics and stuff, he didn't think about that. He loved all that, but he had empathy. And that was always a quality that we wanted in all the pilots later. 
So sadly, Norman was killed in 2000, flying a Spitfire, which is ironic because he would have been gutted, but he was teaching somebody else and it was just one of those things. The aircraft being the way it was, being a very old, very, very old aircraft, like 60 years old at the time when he was flying it, it just wasn't as responsive as the aircraft nowadays. And, you know, it's quite upsetting to see all the newspapers sort of saying, oh, you know, fear of flying pilot dies, blah, 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 in, in an aircraft. And, but that was horrible. But what it taught me was that, you know, we the the program needed to continue because that's exactly what Norman would have wanted and we found some other amazing pilots and I've been very blessed to have some great pilot speakers along the way and a lot of them are on this in this Love Fly Facebook group so I think that's great so you can actually sort of make contact with those people they're all on there you can you see that I sometimes tag them and ask their help and these people give their time, their weekends to come and help nervous flyers because they just want to do it. They just want to see people get over it because they want you to love flying as much as they do. Because for their brains, for a lot of pilots, it's quite a surprise that they go, well, why are you worried about it? What, what are you worried about turbulence? What are you worried about? It's not that they don't care. It's just in their brain, it doesn't compute. It's like, well, I know it's safe. I know how strong the aircraft is and I know all the backup systems. Why would you be worried about it? But so thankfully, the pilots that we have on our courses are those that kind of get it. They have the empathy to think, OK, so I can see that some people might not be as comfortable with it. And those are the types that we like you know, to come along and reassure the public, but in a very factual, calm way to show you that, you know, you can't be in control of that flight. But people that are professional, and well-trained and well-regulated are in charge and they are looking after things. So roll forward. I guess 2002, roughly, there was a started the courses with including flights. And that had been a thought back in 97, but we just didn't have the numbers. And around, I suppose, around 2000, somebody came towards me who was a nervous flyer, phoned me up and said, I really want to get some help with my fear of flying. I don't care if I have to charter an aircraft and I want a pilot all to myself. And this was Richard Conway who became a business partner that I ended up working with. And he felt that, and I think he was absolutely right, that people wanted a flight at the end of the day. I was always a little bit suspicious of it because I thought, what pressure does that put people under to then have to get over the flight, set, you know, get on the flight, get over the fear all in the same day. And it just seemed like a lot to deal with to me. But the numbers then just expanded. We need We needed then sometimes between 50 and 250 people on course. You needed those numbers to justify booking a flight. So chartering an aircraft is not cheap, as you can imagine, the aircraft, hotels, staff, all those sort of things. But it grew slowly, slowly, slowly to the point where I was just gobsmacked as I, you know, as I think back over the 25 years, just thinking, crikey, you know, thousands of people have come through the courses, which I just still find mind-blowing, all found us through Google, and put their faith in us to help them get past where they were with this fear, which if you think about it, it's no small thing. And because people have been carrying this fear for a long time and the impact that it has upon them, it's just phenomenal. You know, so the, the, the thing that grips them, that stops them doing the things they want to do, stops them taking jobs and stops them going on honeymoons and even stops them going to funerals or, 
you know, it's it, it's so powerful, this thing. And yet they'd come along and trust us. And that was never a small thing and not something that we took lightly. But over the years, there were so many sort of stories and amazing things that happened that were provided by this fear of flying experience. And the, the amount of people that just popped up, we got approached by quite a few celebrities to come along. So Whoopi Goldberg contacted us in 2008. And we flew over to LA, so, sorry, to New York to help her. And uh, some of the some of the team were on The View. And that was like a massive, you know, bolster of the numbers as well. And people started thinking, well, if Whoopi Goldberg scared them, that's okay if I am as well. But we had loads and loads of people come through. Like Some people just turned up in courses in disguise, you know, were like with a woolly hat on because that threw us completely. And they would sit there and there'd be comedians, there'd be singers and there'd be people in bands and some that would come through for the one-to-one courses we ran. But others would just turn up as sort of your regular people and sit on the course and then probably get bombarded at the end of the day for autographs. But there were some amazing people came through because it affects all sorts of people, all sorts of jobs. I think it often surprised many when they would be on a table and sort of say, well, why are you here? What's your fear? And they'd say, oh, you know, I'm, a, I'm working the police or I work in the fire brigade or I'm a paramedic or I'm a psychologist or I'm a doctor. And yet they're there with a the fear because you can help other people and you can be in control of those situations, but you sometimes need to go to other people to help you. And that's the way it was. And so that's what we provided was that information. We always kept it very lighthearted because of what we treat people. And I always believe this and still believe this, is that people are normal. They come through the courses. They've just gotten some really unhelpful habits or patterns, behaviors, whatever you want to call it, or some unhelpful thinking ways. And they've come forward as normal, professional, capable, intelligent people. And so using humor just telling people things straight, stick to the facts, don't fudge around it. That's what people want. And I found that we're consistently doing that, giving people a great experience. So using sort of trainer methodology made the difference. And so over the years, having to stand up in front of like a couple of hundred people every single time. I mean, every single time I'd be like, as we'd call in the UK, cacking myself, which is, just thinking, oh, my God, who am I to stand up in front of these people and say stuff? Who am I to be doing this right now? And it took me many, many years to get over that sort of imposter syndrome thing, you know, which is a popular term at the moment. But it was a genuine one for me that every single time as I was about to stand up and do the talk, looking at these, you know, sometimes a couple of hundred expectant faces to say something wise and helpful, you felt such a pressure. And it's terrifying. I mean, every single time it was terrifying. I don't think it ever got any easier. Never got easier. People used to say, oh, you seem very relaxed and very natural up there. And, but it didn't feel like that. You know, it was a, it was a scary thing to do. So uh, I suppose in some ways that gives me a little bit of empathy. I've never had the fear of flying, but just met perhaps a little bit of an understanding what overcoming fear can feel like. And it's like walking into a wall, you know, you just think, but I've got to do it. And that was the thing, you know. And so when I look back and think, what have I learned from the people? Because that's where I've learned most. Although I've read around 
now, and I've just, as you know, some of you all know, I finished the master's in positive psychology and coaching psychology because I wanted to get a little bit more sort of academic rigor and underpinning the way that I worked. I sort of just uh, say that I've probably learned the most from just listening to people, and in particular, over the last year and a half when we're doing the podcast interviewing people and just listening to their stories has really opened my eyes and my mind to how people get the fear and what, how they maintain it and what's their sort of pattern. And I think I had a, an, an idea, but it's really been so helpful to, to just get under the, the hood, if you like, and just sort of think, what, what's going on here, you know? So a few things that I've sort of noticed over the years is that People who are nervous flyers are just like everybody else. They're, they're normal people. And the, the, the fear of flying side of it is greater or lesser depending on the individual. And their triggers are completely unique to them. So even if it's turbulence, their reason for it will be completely different. And their way of dealing with it will be completely different. But something that I've kind of some truths, I would say, I've noticed is that a lot of nervous flyers can be quite perfectionist with themselves. And so they have this sort of standard in their mind of what perfect would be like. And they move towards that. And they might be very, very determined, but then they give themselves such a hard time when they're not perfect. So they'll get on a flight or they might go and do three flights and then have a really, you know, what they consider to be a bad flight because they got upset and they got anxious again. And then they really give themselves a damn good kicking, like, oh, I failed. I've, you know, it's all been wasted. It's all, you know, sort of massive, massive beating themselves up syndrome going on. I always used to think, why is it they do that? You know, why you've done such an amazing thing and like facing your fears. How many people do you know will actively go towards things that they're fearful of? And it's very, very rare. And yet, I think that nervous flyers are a remarkable bunch of people because they, when they come near, get help. They're then saying, you know, I'm going to face this thing, which I think is life-threatening, but I'm going to walk towards it. And I think that's a huge, a huge thing and should something to be really proud of because so many people don't face their fears. You know, and there's things that I'm scared of, but because I don't need to do them, I don't go and i don't face them you know so you could argue go and face them that's what you should do i have done i have faced some of my fears but some of the ones which are not really relevant to me i've left you know like i don't think i'd ever care if i went potholing the thought of being underground in a small space crawling for a tube not knowing i could get out the other end does not appeal to me and it's not even something that i'm particularly interested in getting over you could argue well, maybe you need to go and face that then just to prove something. But it's not its not interfering in my life. I'm not having to make different choices because of it. But if I did, then I would. And I've done that in other instances where I've had to get over stuff. Like we all do. We all do. We all are resourceful and have the ability to, to face things and walk towards stuff when we have to. When there's a, a real strong pull or the, the fear of not doing it, the fear of not making that thing is so painful to us that we just will not let that happen. And I've seen it time and time again that when people get to that point where, you know, enough is enough, they do it, they face it, they get over it, and they often amaze themselves. So I guess some of the things I've learned is that whilst they can be quite perfectionist and want to 
you know, be perfect when you're facing your fear. As long as you keep moving forward and you set yourself realistic, tiny micro goals, there's no reason why you can't chip away at this fear, which is something I see time and time and time again, that if you keep moving forward, fear will start to reduce little by little. And it does take that concerted effort. And sometimes it does feel like, you know, it's five steps forward, four steps back, three steps forward, six steps back. But that's all normal and part of the process. And so I really, really take my hat off and respect and admire people who move towards their fear of flying and, and, and stick at it. Because I've just seen, you know, over the 25 years, the people that just won't give up on themselves are the ones that are going to get past this. And I, the people that sadden me the most are those that I get sometimes come on the courses and they would just say, it's not for me. I, 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 I don't even want to be here. I've been sent by somebody. I'm not that bothered. And that saddens me because they, they've kind of like, they've given up on that idea themselves. It's just not for them. And I find that that is really saddening because I hate to think of people missing out on opportunities because they can't do something through fear. So that's, I think, now I'm at the point where I'm back working, running the Virgin courses again with my colleagues. And we're going to be, we don't quite know what we're going to do yet. We're just delighted to have the contract and to be able to do something and perhaps have a greater reach. But we want to just continue what we've been doing because the people in the Love Fly group, the people that come on and do the Love Fly interviews and stuff, have just been amazing, so generous with their time and continue to do so, helping each other out. Uh, we started something really amazing. And I just want it to keep going like that, but just on a bigger, bigger, bigger scale, you know. So hopefully we will have some courses, things that we can talk about soon that we can then encourage people to come on. And we might even offer courses with flights again. Who knows? Watch this space. But we have a global membership in the Facebook group global listeners on the podcast which is just so rewarding and all of these things are free for people and they will continue to be so because the thing that drives us and many people that you see that contribute in the facebook group we're doing it because we just love helping people and i know that, that might sound really tree cheesy and trite but it's absolutely true that we do it because it's a really rewarding thing to be able to see somebody else get past they're where they think they are and where they could be you know so when people give themselves permission not to be perfect and they keep moving forward and they chip away at fear with the right help and i know that i absolutely know that anybody can beat their fear so i'm not quite sure where i've ended up there was called i'd probably call this episode something like ramblings of 25 years of helping nervous flyers or something really creative like that and i didn't script it and i didn't actually know what i was going to talk about but i just felt like i wanted to do something at this point where we are 25 years plus into helping nervous flyers and now we've got a chance to do it again on a bigger scale and which is really exciting so to be able to think of how many thousands of people we can help in the future is going to be such a rewarding thing for us emotionally and mentally to think, you know, to have that purpose. And so I'm truly grateful and humbled to have this opportunity to be able to work with some amazing people again 
and to be able to offer things for people that we haven't been able to do for a little while. But all along the same ethos that we've been doing Love Fly for the last well, nearly couple two years. It must be, yeah, it's probably a couple of years now. So well, when did we set up? October 2019. So there you go. It's coming up to three years. Unless it's over three years. There you go. I can't do the maths. But so we've been going a little while now, and we're going to just keep doing this and just keep growing and growing. And I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to everybody that supported us to get to this place. And for all of you out there that help each other out in the Facebook group and on Instagram, it's just remarkable. So thank you for what you do. And uh, let's just keep helping people and giving people the choices about being able to fly uh, without carrying all that fear with them. <laughs>